0: Hi there, and thank you for listening to ASMR Bedtime Stories. All of the stories read to you on this podcast are either available in the public domain and are therefore available for free and fair use, or I have obtained express written permission from the author-publishers to audio-record these episodes. I hope that you enjoy listening and please feel free to rate the podcast, Uh, provide me any feedback, send any requests my way. You can also follow me on Twitter to get updates and interact with me that way. You can find me at ASMR Bedtime Stories, or my handle is bedtime underscore ASMR, and I'd love to hear from you. She She looked for the old pleasures and thought they would be a sweet reward to her for all the suffering and anxiety and self denial she had undergone during the last three months. But Nellie looked in vain. Those old days were gone, never to return. The light was fading out of her home, though at first she knew. abuse the weather, or to find fault with the government, or to croak about the hard times they lived in, or to make some other gloomy and depressing remark. What had come over our bright, merry Charlie, who had always been so happy in his home and in his little wife's society? Was he ill, or was there some Anthony Bagshaw. His father is a rich man, has made a lot of money. He is quite a gentleman, is Bagshaw. I shouldn't have thought of asking him here, but he has had me to his place once or twice when you were upstairs, Nellie, and I asked him, not expecting he would come. But he said at once he would be very glad, so I couldn't get out of it. Have all as tidy as you can, won't you? do my best. So, the next evening, Mr. Anthony Baksha arrived, and I was drawn to the fire that he might sit in me to smoke his cigar. I was not at all prepossessed with his appearance. The very moment that he came in at the door of the parlor, I took a dislike to him. He had a cunning, disagreeable face. to avoid meeting Millie's anxious inquiring eyes which were fixed upon him they were none of them quite at their ease after that except Anthony Bagshaw who was always at his ease under any circumstances and none of them I think were sorry when supper was ended and their guest rose to depart Charlie went with him to Is a good sort of fellow, is Bagshaw, but he isn't a teetotaler, and likely enough he laughs at those who are. That's no uncommon thing. Was that all, Charlie? She said anxiously. He looked at you so. Bless me, Nellie, what questions you ask! Said Charlie. whisper. they would go down the path again, and return in the same way. But at last I heard Nellie running back as fast as she could, and I heard her say, Mother, take the children and keep them upstairs. Do, oh he's coming home, oh mother. I suppose her mother read the rest of her face, for she asked no questions, but took the little ones away at once, and I could hear Nell's voice as she went poorly. Can't give Nell a ride on his foot tonight. Then there came slow, shuffling steps down the garden path, and Nellie came in with Charlie leaning on her arm. Was it Charlie, our fine, handsome Charlie, with his upright figure and his open, manly face? Could it be Charlie? Nellie brought him close to me almost fell down between my arms. She did not speak a word, but went upstairs. very seldom looked at him. It seemed to hurt her to see him as he was, and his degradation and his shame. She gazed into the fire and watched the flaming coals. They could have made no pleasant fairy candles, fairy castles for her that night, but must have taken gloomy forms and brought before her mind unpleasant visions of the future, for Nellie's eyes kept filling with tears. She was speaking to the unseen friend to whom she had gone for help on the evening that Baksha's laugh had so much troubled her. So the long night wore away. Sir William Johnson. She said. Then you will know why I did not go to bed. I could not leave you, Charlie. I made a beast of myself, I believe, said Charlie. I'm awfully sorry. I am indeed, Nellie. I'll never do so again. Never. I give you my word of honor. I never will. Oh, Charlie, don't say that, dear Charlie. Don't say that trusting to your own strength, you are sure to fall again. Dear Charlie, say, I never will, God helping me, and go to him to help you. You can't keep straight without. Oh, I don't know about that, said her husband impatiently. My word of honor is my word of honor, and you'll see, Nellie. She was not comforted by this assurance. shadows came very quickly after that. In a short time, Charlie came home in the same state again, and then again, and then there came a time when he came home more often drunk than sober, and there was once when he was a whole night away, and when Nellie and her mother never slept at all, but sat waiting and watching for him till the morning dawn, where he was I never discovered found out that he was not seen at the office the next day, and that this had displeased his masters very much, as they were full of business, and were greatly inconvenienced by his absence. Then after that, the shadows grew darker. One evening, Charlie came home only half sober, and sinking down on me, he said in a husky voice, sack. Oh, Charlie, why? Nellie asked in a piteous voice, though I felt sure she already knew what the answer to her question would be, for every bit of color had faded out of her face, and she looked ready to faint. Oh, just because I took a holiday again today. He said he could stand it three times, but he won't stand it more. It's an awful Heart seemed to fail her. What would become of them now? Tears rolled down her cheeks, but she did not utter a word of reproach. There now, don't cry and make a fuss, said Charlie impatiently. I shall soon hear of something else, I dare say. I will go to the town early tomorrow. he turned all the more to that which had been the cause of his ruin, that he might forget for a time what had happened, and stifle for a time the reproaches of his heart. And so, exactly was it in that once happy home. That pretty little parlor, which had been the pride of Nellie's heart, was, bit by bit, despoiled of its beauties. The pictures went first, one by one, and it was with great sorrow that I parted from my friend, Sir William Johnstone, M.B. He was still holding up his hand as he left the room, and as they carried him away, he seemed to be telling his electors that the dark days of which he had prophesied had indeed come, and that he was a living witness to the fact. Then the grand table disappeared next, and I was glad to hear him give a creak of sorrow as he was carried through the doorway. Then the sofa followed. A week or two afterwards, Tears. Only I was left behind. I felt that my turn would come next, and I was sure. sold, and the parlor left deserted, and empty and desolate. Oh, shadows, 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 how terribly you had blotted out all that was bright and fair in it. I spent some weeks in the kitchen, and saw more sorrowful scenes than I feel able to describe. saw her in the firelight, wiping her eyes. Should I ever see her again? And so I parted from my first home, where I had been so happy and so beloved. I left it with the shadows of evening gathering around it, and with the deeper shadows of sin closely enfolding it. I left it with the sunbeams expelled, with the brightness vanished shadows reigning supreme. I left it to carry with me, wherever I went, the recollection of Nellie's pale, tearful face, and of the voice of the child as she cried after me, Where is Granny's chair?